This is episode 30 of the Progression Health Podcast, uh, part of a mindfulness and mental health series, the last part. And uh, first episode I had was with Shannon, and now she's back for number 30. Um, so Shannon, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I would refer to myself as a health and confidence coach. So I primarily work to help people to overcome their insecurities and support their health just so that they can get more out of life. I kind of figured that a lot of people turn to health and fitness because they don't feel good about themselves as they currently are and hope that you know by achieving a certain disease that that will solve their their confidence issues which really isn't the case in practice so I want to figure out a way to help those people by making the nutrition changes that they're after you know and potentially seeing some changes in their physique but also developing that confidence from within that isn't contingent upon anything in terms of appearances or achievements very interesting yeah so why I started this series is because as I've been a health professional for longer and longer I realized that even though working on your exercise is great and your nutrition they're important I think more importantly is to work on your mindset so uh, why is it that someone let's say a client can't or okay why why is it so important to work on your mindset in addition to also working on nutrition and exercise and maybe even prioritize your mindset before those in your experience what do you think of that? I think the reason is that the way that we think about ourselves will determine how we treat ourselves how we view other people and then the things that we do in our life. So if we're trying to change our physiques from a place of not liking where we currently are, and that's our sole motivation for making a change, then we may go to some pretty extreme lengths to achieve those results. We may also not be satisfied when we get there because we haven't solved the root of the issue, which is the beliefs we have about ourselves, i.e. I'm only good enough if I look a certain way or if I achieve these things. And with that belief, it may serve as an initial source of motivation, but it also leaves us vulnerable to emotional distress. What happens when you're surrounded by people who do look better than you? Because there will be people who are sexier than you, right? Who are fitter, who are leaner, who are stronger. What about people who are more successful than you? If you only feel good about yourself when you're doing better than others or when you're doing well, then that's a very vulnerable position to be in. And that mindset also holds us back from achieving the success that we're seeking. So if we're very insecure, it's going to be difficult for us to look at our weaknesses. It's going to be difficult for us to admit or accept criticism. All of these things are probably necessary at some stage if we're trying to develop ourselves and reach our potential. So the way that we think is really important to consider when it comes to goal striving, so the types of things that we strive for, and how we go about that. So you can choose to support your health from a place of, you know what, I respect myself. I want to get the most out of my body. I want to be energized day to day so that I can have the headspace and the vitality to dedicate towards things that are important to me. So there are better reasons to want to make a change in the sense of these reasons are probably going to be more helpful in terms of making or helping you to achieve a more sort of fulfilling life. So it's very easy to discount the thought processes. It's very difficult to change them and even more difficult to actually live by um, a different set of beliefs. But if we're able to do that, then that's what's really going to give what, uh, give us what we're seeking, which for most people is just, you know what, I just want to feel all 
right day to day and I want to make the most of my time here. Yeah. So I actually had a conversation with a friend related to this where uh, he was saying, you know, we were talking about business and stuff and he was saying that uh, most people just want to look good, right? So let's say a person is like, you know, I'll just get, you know, my sleep perfect, exercise perfect, nutrition perfect. And, you know, I'll just look good. And, you know, that that's my goal. That's all I want. Are you saying if someone had that view that they just want to look better, are you saying that like, maybe not that they're wrong, but you know, that they, they don't have the right goal? What would, you, what would your thoughts be on that? Well, the question is look better for what? Why? What are you trying to achieve by looking better? Because that's not um, a, an outcome in and of itself. Like we want to look better for a reason. And most people based on experience and based on what the research suggests, they want to look better in order to feel better about themselves, whether that's more confident, whether that's more worthy and more successful. And to that end, looking a certain way doesn't necessarily get you those things or it comes at a price where, like I say, you are emotionally vulnerable. What if you do attain this ideal physique? Now, the way that you feel about yourself and your worth as a person depends on maintaining that physique. And inevitably, our bodies are going to change over time. You know, what about when you're older? What about if you um, give birth? You know, all of these things. Progression Health Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online therapy service which will help you to more effectively manage your mental health. Mental health is very important and it's something that all of us are realizing now, especially at pandemic. During the pandemic, for me especially, it was very challenging and I, I reached out to BetterHelp. I tried out a few of their licensed therapists and settled on one for the majority of the pandemic and I found uh, the help that I received invaluable. And the great thing also is that you can speak to your therapist outside of sessions. Um, if it's not working out, you can switch. It's very affordable. It's really easy to use also. Um, and if someone hasn't tried therapy before, but you're kind of, you know, you're curious, I would highly recommend BetterHelp. So what we've done is uh, we've got a sign up link I'll attach in the show notes and basically you can get a discount to get started and uh, start improving your mental health today. So BetterHelp or Better Mental Health. Progression Health Podcast has teamed up with TRX. So TRX is a body weight training piece of equipment that you can hook up anywhere, anytime. And uh, I highly recommend it. I use it in every session with my clients. I use it to warm up uh, and also for stretching. Um, but if you are traveling, which is where I recommend everyone use it, you know, it's hard to get to a gym. Uh, it's hard to find the time, but you could literally work out from your hotel room with the TRX um, and the door attachment that it has where it doesn't damage the door, but it gives you an effective workout. I also like to add in other things like uh, glute bands and resistance bands. Um, but once you have the TRX, then you can figure all that out. So get yourself 50% off on the TRX home workout equipment, the code progression health TRX and boost your workout effectiveness and consistency. So if you, you move to a different location, you have some life transitions, our body shape is, isn't, we can influence it to some degree. You know, we can train in a certain way. We can manipulate our diet to uh, manipulate our body fat levels. Those are things that we can do, but we don't have full control over how we look. What if you get into an accident and lose a limb? These are things that you can't control. You can, you know, try and take care and be cautious, but at the end of the day, it's not within our full control. So why would you want to, um, place something that's as important as how you feel about yourself and your worth as a person on something that isn't within your full control and going to such lengths as I say if you do find that well I've maintained this uh, physique that's like attainable for me um people then find themselves very rigid in their routines afraid to eat out with others afraid to deviate from their routine and be flexible in any way which
which may help to serve your ego in that, okay, well, at least I look good. But what about the rest of your life? <laughs> you know, what about um, your friendships, your hobbies, all of these things that you now lo- no longer have headspace for because so much of that thought is going to um, extra attention about what you eat and sticking to this rigid routine. So I find that in practice, people don't really get what they're seeking from changing their bodies. Now, that's not to say that we can't do these things at all. We can still strive to modify our appearance if we wish. But I think considering our motivations and the lengths that we'll go to and what we'll give up in order to achieve that, those things are really important to think about if your goal is to feel decent day to day and live a fulfilling and meaningful life. So it sounds like you're getting at that people should think a little bit more about why they're doing things and be a bit more specific about their goal setting. Would that be a fair summary? I think it's very difficult because what I would encourage is for individuals to become more self-aware, but a lot of these thought processes are subconscious and influenced by our environment, by the media, by our peers, our friends and our family. And we may internalize certain beliefs without really being aware of it. So I would just encourage people to reflect on their current situation. How do you feel about yourself day to day? When do you feel better? When do you feel worse? What are you doing to support your health? And what are you doing that is potentially self-defeating? Start paying attention to your behaviors and then you can figure out, are they helping me to move towards something that is going to be valuable? And if the answer is yes, and there's little distress involved, great. You know, potentially there's nothing that needs to change there. But if the answer is no, that's probably something that requires a bit of reflection. Yeah, reflection, yeah, it's uh, essential for what we're going to talk about a little bit as well is like a kind of a, a growth-based mindset. So that's something I've heard of before, growth-based mindset, growth-based mindset and to be resilient. Um, what would your definition of uh, a growth-based mindset be? And then, you know, to also be resilient because I feel like they're kind of like buzzwords that are they're thrown out around a little bit. But I think uh, to always be growing and learning sounds like a great idea. And then to be resilient, to be like tough or to be, you know, adaptable and able to overcome challenges, especially as you get older. And especially as it comes to like different nutritional challenges in your life, it seems like a great uh, approach to have. So what would your definition be of, you know, a resilient mindset and a growth-based mindset? You're right in that there are a lot of different definitions floating around and also similar or, or different terms for similar things. So we find that in the research as well. Um, but my understanding of a growth-based mindset or what we're trying to get at there is the belief that you are not fixed in place and you are capable of adapting, changing, ultimately growing, um, which is supported by the research. We know that we have the ability to change the way that we think. We have the ability to develop skills, whereas a fixed mindset, something that that's usually contrasted with, is one that is very limiting because you're probably telling yourself things like, I am always going to be this way. This is hopeless what's the point in trying I'm never going to achieve my results and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if you tell yourself that you're not going to achieve something you're probably not because ultimately you stop trying whereas if you're open able to learn from your experiences the key thing being that when this seems to be a huge obstacle is to learn how to stop 
putting yourself as a person down. So you can make a mistake that doesn't make you as a person a total failure. You can fail at something. Oh, that didn't work out. I have failed. But that doesn't mean you as a person are a failure or any lesser that. And that seems to be the primary obstacle to developing what would be termed a a growth mindset is because when we're putting ourselves down, we tend to feed certain emotions such as shame, anger, potentially at ourselves for not being good enough, which ultimately becomes self-defeating. We withdraw, we don't do the things that are going to move us towards our goals, and we don't take action because we don't feel like there's a point. You know, if we're telling ourselves that we are failures, what's the solution to that? you know, just continue to fail, I guess. Um, Whereas if we're able to look at our behaviors, we can rate our behaviors. Okay, I did all right at that. Mm, That wasn't so great. Maybe I slipped up on this occasion. Oh, that action that I took there took me further away from my goals. You can do all of that without needing to put yourself down. Now, there are very like real reasons as to why that is difficult to do, you know, to develop that mindset, but it is something that you can strive towards. And if you're able to reflect on your behaviors from an objective place that doesn't involve putting yourself down, you're more likely to figure out a solution to the problems that you're facing and to take action to move closer towards your goals. When it comes to resilience, that's a really interesting one because everyone, well, most people probably like the idea of being a resilient person. But I think popular understanding of resilience can be somewhat unhelpful because it's associated with the idea of bouncing back, you know, being strong, overcoming difficulties, which is great. But then we seem to place an expectation on ourselves that that means that we're um, we're not vulnerable at all. You know, I should be strong enough to be able to do this. Oh, I'm not bouncing back fast enough. Or resilience involves great feats, which isn't necessarily the case. Every single person has the ability within themselves to be resilient to daily stresses general life you know it doesn't have to be overcoming something huge it's just coming back from something that has affected you in an unhelpful way that involves struggle so a resilient person still struggles but they continue to push through and i think having that understanding allows you to release yourself from these unhelpful expectations and demands and pressure that you're placing on yourself to always have your shit together 100% of the time, which is not resilience. It's probably some kind of avoidance or ego inflation and not wanting to admit that you're struggling or ask for help. So resilience isn't necessarily something that we develop in isolation either. Of course, it comes from within, but a resilient person can still lean on others for social support. That's probably a very important factor of developing resilience. So yes, resilience is a strength, but it's not about being um, totally It's not about not having any vulnerabilities at all. It's about being open about your vulnerabilities and willing to receive support when appropriate and also cultivating the resources within yourself to continue to tolerate uncomfortable experiences and push forward through struggle. Yeah, you're making me think of uh, Brene Brown and she says something along the lines of like, you know, it's important to be vulnerable. But then she's like, people have this wrong idea where they're like, I'm going to share something that I'm okay sharing with, sharing with someone. 
And yeah, they're gonna it's not vulnerable, it, though, is it? <laughs> they're they're going to call it. It's like, this is me being vulnerable, but they're actually not being vulnerable at all. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I think maybe being resilient is like messy. That might be a better way to like, or being vulnerable is messy. But um, so then just kind of like tying it back to like, you know, health and exercise and stuff. So uh, like a growth-based mindset would, would be fair to say that someone who like maybe maintains their health at a certain status or their performance or is able to like continually you know, let's just say add like five pounds to the bench to go like full bro here. They're able to add like five pounds to their bench every year. That's a growth-based mindset because they're growing objectively. And, and I ask this because it's kind of like, we're talking about ideas and it's like, how would you measure an idea? You know, how would you measure that? Like you're a resilient person or how would you, how would you kind of personalize something like resiliency or a growth-based mindset? So, you know, you're, you're living out like, you know, this, this value. I think that we need to look internally rather than looking for markers of progress, such as, you know, lifting more or whatever. It's, am I making progress towards my goals? My goal might be to simply maintain my performance whilst I focus on in, you know, catching up with friends or uh, some career projects that are taking off. You know, maybe my goal actually right now is just to maintain my performance, but it's a conscious decision. And the mindset itself is still one of learning, right? And you don't have to be making progress across the board in order to be adopting a growth-based mindset. It's just a mindset. It doesn't mean you need to grow in everything that you do. Because I think, again, that's probably um, an unhelpful expectation that we may place on ourselves. So you know yourself, whether or not you're telling yourself that you can't do things. You know, I can tell myself I, I could learn to surf right? That's something that I want to do at some stage. But at this point in time, I'm choosing not to. Does that mean that I'm not adopting a growth-based mindset because I'm not making any progress with surfing? No, I'm still open to the idea. I still understand that there are skills that I can develop. I have a fear of going underwater. That is something that I could expose myself to and overcome, but I'm choosing not to right now because I have other things to do that are taking up my time. So I think it's more about um, the, the way that we speak to ourselves. That's something to be aware of so as a point of reflection is there anything out there that you're telling yourself that you can't do and is that getting in a way in the way of a goal you want to achieve so if I really wanted to learn to surf right now and I was telling myself oh you're never going to be able to do it that would be more of a fixed mindset that's getting in the way of something that I want to do um, so what are your goals? I think it really starts from there. What do you want to achieve right now? What are you prioritizing? And then are you telling yourself anything that's unhelpful when it comes to enhancing your performance or your progress towards those goals that you're prioritizing at this point in time? Interesting. So it could be very in individualized. How, how a growth mindset is for a certain person as it relates to their health could be very individualized. It could be um, that they just keep on trying or that they keep on like, uh, you know, on thinking about what they want to do until they're ready to do it, for example, instead of like giving up on, you know, for example, the idea of surfing, you keep on having it in the back of your mind until uh, such, a, such a time that it suits you to start that. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it, it will be different for everyone because everybody has different preferences, different goals and different priorities. So it's just about thinking about what do I want to achieve at this point in time? And am I holding myself back from doing that? So there's probably, if something's important to you, you're 
probably going to be monitoring your progress in some way. So if I do have some training goals, then I will keep a training log and I'll be able to see my progress. And if that's something that I feel dissatisfied with, I'll probably set myself some goals in relation to making more progress with my training. So I may want to increase my strength if I'm telling myself that um, this is, or, or let's take nutrition. This is usually a place I think where people um, beat themselves up a little bit more. If somebody feels like they've gone off track and they've overeaten, and that's not something that they wanted to do because it's not supporting their long-term health in this instance, if they're telling themselves, "Oh, I'm a complete failure. Um, I'm never going to be able to change. I've struggled with this for so long. Like, what's the point? That isn't going to help them to achieve their long-term goal of supporting their health and, and well-being. So it doesn't have to be observable, you know, in terms of results. It's not about, oh, if you're not losing weight, then you don't have a growth-based mindset. That's not what we're saying. But just in terms of how do you relate to your setbacks? How do you relate to your failures? Do you see them as something, you know, unpleasant? All right, I didn't want to fail that's annoying it's in the it's getting in the way of my goal but that doesn't make me any less of a person and I'm able to turn to my failure um, and look at it and kind of figure out what's been going on to lead to that and what do I have the capacity to change and then it's very likely that you're going to respond in a different way so I'd say the growth-based mindset becomes apparent in the way that we respond to setbacks so you mentioned progress and a metric that a lot of people use is body weight. So you know, we both know, I, I don't know if most people know, but we both know that it's very hard to change your body weight for the long term anyway. So could it be a case of uh, somebody with a growth-based mindset would you know, keep on pursuing a goal like you know, changing their body weight and the stress or the experience of that goal, it's like it's less stressful or they have to put less effort into it to still you know, stick with that goal. If that's a goal that you know, is valuable to them or is important to them, could it be kind of like, I don't want to say life becomes easier or a goal becomes easier, but it's just kind of like how, how the experience pursuing a certain goal, uh, it becomes healthier in a way. Like it just, they don't have as much stress about pursuing that goal. Uh, yeah, I would say that a growth-based mindset won't determine the goals that you set. So that will come down to personal values and preferences, but it will influence the way that you respond to difficulties adversities setbacks which are pretty much inevitable because the world is not set up to enable you to achieve everything that you want to achieve you're not going to get everything handed to you it's something that you have to work towards and you will face obstacles along the way now it's about how you handle those setbacks and that's where the growth-based mindset comes in Whereas somebody who doesn't adopt that mindset probably will experience a lot of distress because you have a certain situation, right, where you let's just say you failed at something. Person A may view that failure as a catastrophe. They may then kind of spiral, ruminate about all the other failures that they've had, discount all the things that they're doing well. Um, overemphasize the consequences of that failure. Oh, you know, I slipped up on my diet. I'm never going to achieve my weight loss goals. I'm going to be lonely and single for the rest of my life. I'm never going to find a partner because I'm so unattractive. Um, that will then likely increase somebody's emotional distress. So they're going to feel shitty 
even shittier than they need to be because the failure doesn't have to be a catastrophe. We're choosing to think of it in that way. And then that will ultimately influence our behaviors as well. Because when we feel like that, we're not going to do anything that's going to be helpful or constructive. Whereas person B may experience a failure and say, oh, well, I would prefer that didn't happen. You know, I I don't want to fail. And that is annoying. That is frustrating. And they will probably still feel sad or disappointed but these are normal healthy emotional responses the only way not to have an emotional response to something is not to care about it right and if we have goals that we're striving towards we probably care about them so we are going to experience some kind of emotion and it will be unpleasant in valence in that it won't feel nice you know disappointment or frustration doesn't isn't an enjoyable feeling, but it's an important one because it indicates to us what we value. Oh, the reason that I'm feeling frustrated right now is because my goal is being blocked. And that's a goal that's important to me. So that emotion is orienting you towards something that's important. And you can say, well, I feel frustrated right now, but I can tolerate this feeling. You know, it's not the end of the world. Let me look at what's going on and make a plan to do something differently next time, because this goal is something that's worth experiencing difficulties. It's worth feeling frustrated over and it's worth persisting with. So. That would be sort of the difference there. I'd say it's not necessarily about what goals you achieve, what goals you strive towards. That will come down to what's important to you personally, but more about how you deal with setbacks, which is going to be a very necessary part of achieving any goal that you set yourself. So yeah, when it comes to health goals, it kind of feels like at the risk of grossly oversimplifying everything you've said, great detail. It's like feel the fear, feel the emotion, and then like stick with a goal that you value anyway. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I think this starts with setting the right kind of goals in the first place. So we're very influenced by what other people think of us. Um, Our values may even be influenced by our culture, for example. So I think just really having a bit of time to reflect on what you want to get out of your life and what goals you can set to support that is the first thing. And then thinking about how you strive towards them. So it's, you know, an ongoing process as well, which is why this mindset can be very important to develop because it's probably going to apply across the course of your life. Because as humans, we like to move towards something. I, I find that most people don't like to feel that they're um, stagnant across the board, right? Like we might put things on hold and prioritize, but we still like to move towards something in one domain of our life at a time. So this mindset will be um, really important to adopt to help you to to make progress towards those goals so yeah I think it's um, easier said than done for sure but definitely something that we can work on and probably is very important and helpful to work on I feel like the quote it's like uh, like life is a journey it's not a destination so it's like something you constantly on top of as best as you can and sometimes you slip up and sometimes you really you know achieve the goal you want Um, speaking of another quote so there's you know I think it's like Nietzsche, he says, like, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And I feel as though that's like very tied into like this whole growth based mindset and resiliency. What, what do you think of that quote that like, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger? And then also like, if you can could reflect and look at it in another way and say, maybe, okay, uh, I came through this challenging period or this challenging time, I must be like stronger or, you know, the fact that I survived, you know, uh, 
an injury, for example, came through a training injury or something, it must be like a more resilient person. Is that a more useful way to look at the quote or what you just uh, think in general around that quote? I think this quote can be interpreted in a way that's helpful or a way that's unhelpful, right? If you're um, looking at that and thinking, okay, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Um, it's not the end of the world. I can learn from this. I can um, make, you know, act in a different way as a result of this. I've developed these skills as a result of this. That's one thing. But I also think that sometimes it can be interpreted in a way that's unhelpful, whereby we feel like we have to come back stronger after everything, you know, and it's perfectly okay to experience something and say, well, that was shit, you know, and, and that's it. It can end there because there are events in our lives that are very unfortunate, that we, they're unpredictable and unwanted and you know, it may not kill you, but it may still have a pretty, you know, Im big impact on on your life. And that's okay. So I think that there are sometimes is this pressure to always come back stronger. And what about just coming back? You don't have to be bigger and better than before. What about experiencing a setback and navigating that setback? That could be something that's valuable in and of itself. So I, I do obviously, well, not obviously, but I do um, think that the quote can be inspiring and so on. But I also think that it's important to also acknowledge that you don't have to come back stronger from anything if you, if you don't want to. You know, you can just say, well, that was bloody hard and I'm glad that. I've got through it and and carry on, you know, and that's that's fine. Um, so yeah, that there, I just wanted to add that because I think that sometimes there is that pressure to always be growing, always be doing better, and of course we we mostly prefer that. But I think it's perfectly fine to be okay with just also feeling, you know, decent day to day. And you can say I experienced a setback. That's crap. Took me a while to get over it, but here I am, you know, ready to engage in life again and i don't necessarily feel like i'm i'm strong right now but that's okay yeah if, if you're still living still like living your life um, that's that there's a lot to be said for that instead of kind of like giving up because um like life is challenging in and of itself um and i <laughs> i can imagine a situation where someone you know is like you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna try my one rep max and they're like oh what doesn't kill me makes me stronger and it's like that would be a poor application of <laughs> poor application of that yeah i'm not sure yeah. that's what I meant <laughs> yeah and it's like this one rep max, you know, I'm probably not going to get it, but you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And it's like, no, that's not, that's, you know, that is not what the quote was intended for. Um, but yeah, just kind of going on uh, with the topic of like challenge and uh, and struggling. Uh, you've talked to before about going outside your comfort zone. Could you talk a little bit about like, what is our comfort zone? Um, is it useful to go outside it uh, as an idea uh, when we're going through like a challenging time, you know, uh, with you know, our health, um, whether it be exercise or nutrition? I think our comfort zone is something that feels familiar to us. We probably feel more secure, more comfortable, potentially more confident when we are behaving in a way that could be considered within our comfort zone. And then beyond that is probably the, the point where we begin to doubt ourselves, where we don't feel as confident, where we're more concerned about what other people think where um, judgment and failure are at a higher risk. So that would be sort of the definition that I would use when referring to comfort zone. And the thing is, when if we live our entire lives within this comfort zone and we never take risks because we're fearful of failure or judgment from others, then it's very likely that we're going to hold ourselves back from doing certain things. Because if we are 
that way inclined and we do enjoy growth and progress, that usually involves doing something different. It involves learning something new or trying something that you haven't tried before. And with any of those things, there always is that risk of um, failure, right? And usually what we're scared of isn't the failure itself, but how we think about ourselves in relation to that failure. So how that failure reflects on us, which is just an assumption and inference that we're making. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's reality. You know, oh, other people are going to judge me if I put myself out there and I don't do well at something. So a lot of people are scared of like public speaking or performing in front of others or being open about who they are and what they enjoy, how they like spending their time because they think other people may look down on them or whatever whereas if we can learn to get more comfortable with the idea of accepting the fact that not everyone has to approve of us and we don't always have to do well obviously we would prefer to have the approval of others and it's nice when we do well and we enjoy it but we don't need those things in order to feel valuable as people that when we're accepting that failure will likely happen, although we're going to try our best to avoid it, you know, and to improve and to have success, it's very likely that at some point we will fail at something and that's okay. Then all of a sudden your comfort zone probably expands. And that's not to say that you won't have any reservations or any self-doubt ever, but just that it doesn't hold you back from taking action. So I can be concerned about my performance say i'm going to host a presentation or a um a conference or a webinar or something it's very normal for me to want to do well and i may be concerned about um my delivery of the information because i have something that i think is valuable to share and i want people to learn and to use that information now that concern is a very healthy emotion it doesn't feel good You know, it doesn't feel pleasant, but that's different from feeling so anxious that I avoid doing presentations in the first place because I might say something wrong or I might not explain things clearly or I might slip up and people will laugh or think I'm an idiot, you know? So that's the difference, I think, between a comfort zone and something that's outside your comfort zone is that you'll probably begin to experience unpleasant emotions. But the important thing is that you do the thing anyway, if it's something that's meaningful to you. There's kind of like different degrees of, uh, inside your comfort zone and outside your comfort zone. Like, um, I don't know, you're running a 10 K and then you're like, right, that's my comfort zone. You run like 11 up to 15 or 20, 20 would be the absolute, uh, furthest extent outside your comfort zone. And you know, a one K outside, it would be like just the sort of most minimal, uh, step you could take. Is that kind of how it would work? Yeah, Potentially. So let's say someone is comfortable with running a 10 K. Maybe they've done it before. Maybe it doesn't push them in the same way that a marathon would, right? That's going to be a lot more difficult in terms of the discomfort that someone may experience. So how much discomfort are you able and willing to experience in order to achieve something that's important to you? Because that's when we may want to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone, potentially towards those unpleasant emotions, because it's going to 
uh, help us to achieve something that we want to achieve. Um, and I think that's the, the thing. Once you're less fearful of failure or judgment and more confident in your ability to tolerate discomfort, you're probably going to set the bar higher and to demand, not demand more of yourself, but to request more of yourself in the sense that, you know what, I can achieve this thing. So maybe I'm going to strive for that. And even if I don't quite reach that, I'm probably going to end up a lot further along than if I tell myself, what's the point in trying? I'm never going to achieve it and just live a, a fully comfortable life where I try to avoid any uncomfortable emotion or any risk of failure at all. Just that we're talking about comfort zone. I, I think I actually use exercise to go outside my comfort zone. I, I kind of, that's my way of doing it. Have you come across that before? And uh, you know that we're talking a lot about like the mindset. Do you think it's more important that you like kind of, so, you know, exercise is physical. Do you think it's more important to mentally go outside your comfort zone first or is exercise kind of like a useful way to, I guess, expand your comfort zone as well? What do you think around that? Exercise can be a brilliant way to expand your comfort zone because the, the whole point is that you take action, right? So you can't just go outside your comfort zone in your head. You have to do something that reflects that. And exercise can be a great way. So for some people, they may feel uncomfortable about going to the gym because they're worried about what other people will think. You know, I'm not fit enough to go to the gym is a common belief for many people. They may be worried about how they look or worried about not performing a move correctly and doing it anyway, you know, in spite of, or examining, you know, what actually am I concerned about here and taking those steps to push yourself because it's important to you can be a great way to go out of your comfort zone. And there's also the other aspect of learning to tolerate an uncomfortable experience, because if you're training to a certain intensity, it doesn't feel very pleasant to be potentially sweating or struggling and shaking and sore. Um, not that you have to feel that way all the time, but there are probably certain parts of training that feel uncomfortable if you're taking part in a sport. So, for example, I train jujitsu. That can be uncomfortable a lot of the times because you're in positions that are uncomfortable. You are learning new skills that feel very unfamiliar in a class with other people and potentially may feel um, concerned about how you're appearing and not being able to do the move correctly or whatever it is which provides many opportunities for you to step outside that comfort zone. And then once you do, you begin to build confidence in your ability to tolerate that. So when you're telling yourself, I can't go to the gym because I'm not fit enough and everyone will laugh at me. If you're avoiding going because of that fear, you're just going to confirm that fear for yourself. You're essentially rejecting yourself before other people can reject you because you're not ever giving yourself the opportunity to disprove that belief or to prove to yourself that even if people do judge you it's not that bad and you can handle it and it's worth it for you to handle it because getting to the gym and supporting your health is important to you so the that's the the difficult thing with staying within your comfort zone if that involves avoiding doing uncomfortable things even though it would be important to you to do so 
you essentially create a rod for your own back because avoidance breeds more avoidance. Whereas when you step outside your comfort zone, you learn that, oh, it probably isn't that bad. I'm potentially catastrophizing or um, predicting the worst and that either doesn't happen or when it does happen, I can handle it anyway you're then more likely to continue to do the things that are important to you, which we're hoping is going to lead to um, a more enjoyable or more fulfilling and meaningful life. You just touched on like avoiding certain behaviors. Do you know anything about like avoidance behaviors and like how, let's say somebody's like, oh, you know, I'd love to be fit and healthy, but I don't want to, you know, eat a certain way or exercise a certain way. Could that be like a sort of an avoidant behavior? They're not doing something they want to do. Um, They're not applying like a resilient mindset or a growth mindset just avoiding something challenging that potential uh, situation that you've seen? Usually we see avoidance crop up when people are trying to avoid unpleasant internal experiences. So what I'm referring to there are certain emotions such as anxiety or shame that people tend to avoid because they feel very uncomfortable and when we avoid those things like you say we may that may manifest in not going to the gym or it may manifest in emotional eating because you're avoiding dealing with the discomfort and seeking a distraction or comfort outside of yourself Um, another example is people tend to avoid things when they don't feel comfortable in their bodies so oh I don't look good today I'm feeling bloated today I'm not going to wear what I want to wear or I'm not going to go to this social occasion because I've gained weight and I haven't seen these people in a while and they're going to judge me for gaining weight We tend to avoid things that are important in order to avoid the judgment and the resulting emotions that we think are inevitable. You know, if this person doesn't approve of me, then I will feel bad about myself. Well, that's not necessarily the case, because if it didn't really matter to you that much, whether or not this person approved of you, you probably wouldn't feel too bad as a result and could continue to do the things that are meaningful to you. So avoidance can manifest in an omission to do things that you would prefer to do, but it could also manifest in action that is essentially a form of distraction. Um, Another example would be someone who overworks. They may be avoiding dealing with their insecurity of not being good enough and then overwork as a means to uh, overachieve which looks like they're doing something positive but actually could be a form of avoidance because they're trying to get away from the fact that they don't feel good about themselves as they are and it you know it only becomes a problem if there's some form of emotional distress that's harming their physical or psychological well-being or if it's getting in a way of a goal that someone wants to achieve. One example may be to feel connected and have meaningful experiences with friends, you know, or their striving to overachieve could be influencing their um, connect time to connect with others, right? But that's very difficult to reconcile without dealing with the root cause. So usually, as I say, avoidance is the avoidance of an internal state which can manifest in an omission, or it can actually manifest in taking action towards something, 
but usually there'll be some kind of unhelpful consequence of that. Yeah, so it's kind of like somebody wants to have their cake and and eat it sort of thing. Like they want to have, you know, they want to have things their way. Like, you know, they don't want to exercise or maybe they do want to exercise, uh, but they want it to be like a wholly pleasant experience. Would that be kind of a simplified explanation? Well, potentially it could be one way of looking at it, but I think perhaps a more helpful way of looking at it is just that we don't like to feel bad, you know, and sometimes our emotional responses can feel pretty intense and there's also a general lack of awareness as to what's going on so we don't necessarily know why we're feeling a certain way a lot of people are unable to even identify how they're feeling let alone figure out the causes of that or to be able to draw the connection between the uncomfortable emotion, the way that we behave as a result, and then the impact that that has on our well-being or our goal attainment. And it's pretty reasonable for us to struggle with that, given that there's a general lack of knowledge. There's also this cultural pressure to always be happy, to be overly productive, to achieve great things, to not talk about your emotions, to not show signs of weakness, all of which can be pretty unhelpful when we internalize those messages. So it makes a lot of sense as to why we struggle with these things. It's just unfortunate that ultimately it's often unhelpful. So that would probably be a more reasonable explanation as to why we have these issues in the first place. It's not a personal failing or just wanting to always feel happy, but it's this pressure that comes from a range of different sources and then the general lack of awareness as to what's actually going on because you know most people aren't in psychologically informed and we don't ever receive education on our emotions and why we may feel certain ways which is very unfortunate um and hopefully something that will change in future as we do have this you know understanding um presently so that would probably be a more helpful way of looking at the situation yes and, and speaking of more helpful ways of i guess to just looking at our, our, our health and, and our life is a post that you had that it was titled you're not a failure so I think a lot of people have a, a, a tough relationship with failure like nobody likes to fail obviously and it's a tough emotion but um, can you just talk about why failing can be particularly stressful um, and is there certain ways that people make it more stressful for themselves than it needs to be? The reason that we feel very stressed when we fail is because we then infer that we're incompetent in some way and we feel ashamed of ourselves as people so if we don't change how we relate to that failure we really do risk holding ourselves back and also we adopt the mindset that we're not good enough the way that we are so if our fear of failure is overwhelming, we may live very cautiously, as I mentioned, to avoid that risk of judgment because we feel worthless if we fail. Um, so we avoid trying in the first place to avoid that disappointment and regret. Um, so if we can learn to cope with failure, we're also giving ourselves the freedom to actually take risks and potentially excel um, so I, I'd say it's not the failure itself that we're scared of, 
And research actually suggests that there are five main fears when it comes to failure. And that is experiencing shame and embarrassment, which is something that we can influence. We can decide whether or not we want to experience shame and embarrassment and we can choose not to feel that way. Um, Another fear is thinking less of ourselves as people having an uncertain future. So if I take this risk and I fail, I don't know what the outcome will be, um, which maybe will reflect a a lack of some confidence in someone's ability to cope with uncertainty, Um, or they may fear that other people will lose interest in them or that they'll upset other people. So really at the core, it's a fear of rejection or being judged as inadequate. Because if we didn't think that anything bad happened when we failed, why would we be holding ourselves back? Why would we be scared and undermining our own success or chances of success? Um, So let's take like the example of a powerlifting competition. So an athlete may be terrified that she won't perform well. She's afraid that she's going to let her coach down. She's worried that other people will think she's weak or incompetent because she doesn't beat her her best or doesn't win the competition. She'll also feel ashamed in herself if she disappoints herself. Um, So as a result, she may feel so stressed that she can barely get through her training sessions or she may withdraw from the competition in the first place or she may lash out at other people because she's so nervous and pent up. Um, And then she's wondering why she even bothers in the first place. Or you can have somebody else who's nervous about the competition, right, and wants to do well, but knows that, you know what, if I don't win this meet, then nothing terrible is going to happen. You know, if I don't perform my best, it'll be unfortunate because I know that I have the ability to perform well and I know that I've put a lot of effort in, but I'm excited actually for the opportunity to see how far I come. And I know that if I don't perform at my best, then I can receive feedback from my coach or from others and figure out what I want to work on moving forward into the next competition. And I also know that a single performance doesn't reflect my worth as an athlete or more importantly my worth as a person you can see the two different mindsets there and it's very likely that person number two who's not afraid of failure is more likely to actually make progress and probably achieve better results because they're going to continue to work on their weaknesses and continue to push themselves to compete in future. So that would be the the difference and why it's very important to overcome that fear of failure um, because it's a learned fear, which means we can unlearn that fear. So if we learn to relate better to you know setbacks or challenges, it feels like you could just keep doing things you wanted to do, even though you would have those setbacks and challenges. So like want to run a 10K and you know the best you can do is a 5K, but if you can realize that it's kind of like you might've learned something from that like quote unquote failure, and then you know kind of integrate that and then use it for your next attempt at the 10K, then you can keep on you know, getting back up and sticking with whatever goal you have. Uh, would, would that be an outcome if you had a better relationship with failure? You could kind of stick with the chance longer? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we can look at the relationship we have with failure as actually a relationship that we have with ourselves, because it's the 
judgment we make of ourselves and the way that we put ourselves down as a result of failure that's where the issue lies whereas if we're able to say you know what I failed at that one thing and it doesn't matter I don't have to personalize that failure I can choose to see that failure as a learning opportunity if I want or I can also decide that you know what maybe running isn't for me and I just don't want to pursue this anymore that's also a worthwhile decision to make Um, but it's easier to make those decisions, figure out what's important to you and continue to move towards those things that are important if you don't put yourself down when you feel like you failed at something. So we don't need to catastrophize. It's not the end of the world. We don't need to personalize. It doesn't mean that we are incompetent. It just means we failed at one thing. We don't need to overgeneralize. It doesn't necessarily mean that you always fail just because that one thing didn't go so well. Um, And we don't need to tie our self-worth to our success. We don't need to compare our successes or our failures with other people's successes and failures. And we can choose goals that matter to us personally and be more aware of the way that we respond to ourselves when we're experiencing a setback. And we can choose to talk to ourselves in a way that's constructive and supportive and understanding rather than putting ourselves down. And that will enable us to move on from problems, solve our own problems, and then continue to strive towards these things, um, which is something we can only do if we feel secure about ourselves as as people, knowing that um, our worth doesn't depend on always doing well because then that gives us that freedom to explore, make mistakes, you know, and learn from those mistakes, sure, um, if we choose to, but also main thing being that we ultimately just don't experience that distress in the first place. As you're talking there, I'm thinking if you're like always focused on achieving um, or you're afraid of failing, it feels like you're giving away a part of your happiness because like you can't always control the outcome. But it's like if your happiness is dependent on an outcome, then it's like you're kind of losing a bit of your ability to feel happy. You also can't control the outcome of your efforts. That's an important thing. So let's you know, go back to the powerlifting competition. Example, I had a client who had been training for a meet. She'd been very consistent with her training, putting in a lot of effort, you know, really being mindful of her sleep and her nutrition and so on. And then right before the powerlifting competition, she caught COVID, you know? So her efforts could be viewed, if you choose to take this perspective, as going to waste because she couldn't achieve the outcome that she desired on the day because she was still recovering from COVID. That was outside of her control. So you can only control what you put in. And that's an important thing as well. And another reason or another incentive not to tie your self-worth to your success because you can't you you can't determine your own success you can increase your chances of success and strive towards things but ultimately the outcomes are still outside of your control and that's something very important to be mindful of as well interesting yeah that's my initial thought would just be that like you know your client can use that experience for the next time around it's not a waste at all but of course when you're in the moment you get caught up and things so that's very challenging have you heard of the quote before uh, we either win or we learn i feel like it's overly reductionistic and, and a bit simplistic but do you think it's it's like a realistic kind of mentality to try and hold or it's even effective to have uh, 
when pursuing like an exercise and nutrition goal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, that can be a very helpful perspective, right? You're either doing well, or if you're not doing well, there's something that you can take away from that situation. And it could very well be an opportunity to learn. So I think that that's a far more helpful perspective than telling yourself, I must win or else I'm inadequate or incompetent, which ultimately will be very self-defeating. You wouldn't want to be putting yourself down in pursuit of, of a goal. Um, so we you talked a little bit about like accepting yourself um, and you had a post, uh, why would you accept yourself when you know that you could do better? So uh, why is it important to accept yourself? And like in, in, in a kind of a, a concrete example, if someone is pursuing a health goal, why would accepting themselves, you know, aid their pursuit of that goal? It's very funny because that was um, posted after a, a quote that I received in my inbox from Jordan Peterson, who was saying something like, why should we accept ourselves? This is a modern notion. And, you know, it's going to breed like incompetence, which is only enough, not based on any sort of evidence. And actually the notion of acceptance um, has very deep historical roots. <laughs> it's not a modern notion at all. And acceptance doesn't breed complacency because acceptance is just about understanding that all humans, including you and I and everyone listening, have strengths and weaknesses and are infallible. They will uh, are fallible. They will make mistakes. They will slip up. You know, we will treat other people poorly from times. And that is just the human condition. That's not to say that we want to fail, we want to treat people poorly, not at all. And most people will find that once they remove these demands for perfection and these expectations, that they're actually more free to choose how they want to behave and will make efforts and take action towards behaving in a way that they, you know, are proud of in a, in a sense. So I think that acceptance can ultimately aid goal pursuit because we're able to look at our weaknesses and work on our weaknesses if we choose to and without acceptance we can't do those things in a healthy way and acceptance a lot of people have sort of claimed that acceptance is necessary to make a change because it's only when you're aware of the problem that you're facing that you can actually work on it. Whereas if you're afraid to work on your weaknesses or afraid to look at your weaknesses, you're going to avoid doing so, which ultimately is going to make it very difficult to make progress unless you get lucky and you make progress by a fluke, you know, which is probably not going to be sustainable. Kind of discussed it already, but I'm just kind of thinking of like, what would someone listening who doesn't fully understand it, what would they think? And it's like, so, you know, you're say saying, or are you saying that if I accept myself, then, you know, would that mean that I kind of take the foot off the gas or, you know, I kind of get lazy or, you know, what uh what are some like misconceptions around accepting i would say that those are two of the, the biggest things you know i'm going to become lazy i'm going to um, drop my standard oh it's going easy on myself and the thing is you don't need to crack the whip in order to motivate yourself you can and that can certainly you know criticism and uh, a feeling of like not being good enough can certainly drive you towards things but there are also other forms of motivation that can also drive you towards achieving your goals such as I just want to to live a decent life I want to mostly feel good when I can I want to achieve things because it's enjoyable 
for me to do so. Those are some pretty decent motivations as well. You don't have to hate yourself into achieving something. And the difference is the impact that that will have on the rest of your life and the quality of life and your health. Um, so if you can motivate yourself from a place of acceptance, I'm good enough the way that I am, but I still want to achieve these things because why wouldn't I? You know, you can still take action towards those goals and probably get a whole lot further as opposed to someone who is telling themselves that I don't look good enough the way that I am, therefore I must eat in a certain way and I must train in a certain way in order to eventually feel good enough. It's like, well, I can just choose to feel good enough right now and still do those things because it supports my health. It enables me to do other things with my energy and my time as well and ultimately enhances my experience of life. But that seems to me to be a pretty decent source of motivation and the criticism and the um, lack of acceptance isn't necessary to achieve those things. So if you were to try and hate yourself into a position of motivation, that sounds absolutely miserable, right? So we would say that yeah, is well, like, that? <laughs> that is a terrible way to like try and motivate yourself to improve your health. Then on the opposite side of the scale, it feels like to say, you know, I'm not as healthy as I could be, but I'm still going to accept it and I'm still going to pursue a goal. Is it possible that like you, you mightn't go the opposite of hating yourself? You mightn't actually be kind of, you mightn't be happy with being, let's just say, quote unquote, unhealthy, but you keep on trying. Is that like, yeah, is it kind of, you decide that you're good enough the way that you are and there's nothing that you would like to change. And then, okay, what's the problem? There's no problem here, right? Or you accept that, you know what? My health isn't where I would like it to be. And it's important to me to continue to work on this so that I have a longer life or a healthier life. I've got more energy to take, you know, take care of my kids or to I've got more headspace to focus on my career. Um, I really enjoy my training and I would like to make more progress there. You can accept that you're not where you want to be in that regard and then take action towards it. There's just no need for the, and I'm not good enough if I don't do these things. You know, that doesn't have to be a thought process doesn't have to be a driving force because you already want these things. That's an eight to want certain things. Yeah. So it's like, you might not actually get to the opposite of the hate. You might not actually like love, you might not actually ever love the body you're in and the position you're in, but at least you keep on trying and that's a better situation, right? It's probably more important to not hate yourself than it is to love yourself. You don't need to love every part of you. You don't need to, you know, think that you're perfect and that's probably something that's unattainable anyway the main thing is that when you're not feeling so great that it doesn't hold you back from doing anything that's important to you yeah, you don't hold yourself back yeah and then just last question so another kind of quote on like quote man today uh, is it true that we can't change anything about ourselves until we accept our situation so is acceptance a pre requisite to changing you know our body weight our nutritional habits sleep habits what have you i would say that acceptance is a very helpful place to start from because you could probably make some progress that is very likely to be temporary if it's coming from a place of a lack of acceptance of not feeling good enough as i say that can be a source of motivation to get you started but will ultimately manifest in some way in some self-defeating behaviors so this may be why people sort of yo-yo back and forth or why they feel like they're on track and then they're off track suddenly and it can be very difficult to continue to pick yourself back up whereas if you start from a place of acceptance understanding that we all have faults we all have weaknesses and we can choose to work on them if we wish, 
And a setback isn't the end of the world. And we can tolerate those uncomfortable feelings. We don't need to be fearful of the judgment of others, even though we would prefer to have their approval. We can cope otherwise. That's a healthier starting point, which is likely to be a lot more helpful when it comes to actually making progress towards our goals. So it can help you because it can pinpoint the problem, you know, rather than avoiding looking at your weaknesses. It's much easier to work on your weaknesses if you're not trying to hide them, you know, and that's going to be very difficult to actually make progress. So although it can be a challenge, there appears to be more benefits to accepting yourself than there are drawbacks. It's just very difficult to do, but that doesn't make it impossible. And it's probably very worthwhile to strive towards accepting yourself as much as you can, as often as you can even when it may feel difficult to do so. Great, yeah. I think my takeaway is uh, that we learn certain like habits, ways of thinking, behaviours, but we can just as easily, or not just as easily, but we can unlearn them. And then we can kind of, you know, be uh, more resilient as we get older or we can have a better growth mindset. So uh, that's it, Shannon. Thanks very much for your time. Is there anything about your own work, which is prolific that you want to mention? Uh, plug, plug away and tell people about it sure well I feel like we've discussed a lot of concepts like fear of failure and a lack of acceptance and haven't had the opportunity to really go into how we might overcome them but I do have some resources that may help so I have a blog where I've written articles on how we can face our fear of failure how we can learn to accept ourselves And I also have um, a podcast of my own where I talk about these things as well. And I also have a free ebook for people who want to become more confident in their bodies, because that generally seems to be a place where we really struggle to um, accept ourselves and respect ourselves when we're dissatisfied with how we look. So I'm sure all of those things can be linked in the the show notes, but that's what I would recommend for anyone who um, would like to explore this further and learn for themselves how they can overcome those insecurities would be to check out my blog the podcast or the free book to get you started yeah absolutely i'll touch all of that in the show notes and uh, i can attest to the fact that uh, anyone who's looking to be more confident or just have a better relationship with themselves and their health that uh, they can do so by reading dan's content it's uh it's very formative and i always feel like i learned something uh having read it so yeah i'll attach that in the show notes